Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. Who are ready to break it all down on this podcast. Welcome to How Did We Get Weird. So Jonah, we're obviously over the moon for our guest today, and I feel like our careers have been influenced by her, and we once tried to work together on something related to her. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know when this was. When do you think this was? Like maybe I'm like call it six years ago? So yeah, six years ago, we did a show at the Bell House called Series Finale. and Fun spelled F-U-N. Right. Fun Right. Yeah. Capital F-U-N, A-L-E. And yeah, and we did it as a one-off. We had Kyle Mooney as a guest. We had Laura Stevenson play the Blossom theme song. And then we had Jenna Von Oy. And we screened the final episode of Blossom, which was so difficult to find. And then we kind of did like so a Q&A kind find. of like podcast type thing that wasn't recorded. Probably should have recorded it. And, and for people who don't know, which they should, especially if they've listened to this podcast, Jenna Von Oy played six on Blossom and was an incredible guest to have that night. And she told us about the show and she let me wear the hat that she wore in the intro credits. She brought it with her and she gave me a six doll. Like they had sort of like Barbie. We've talked about this. <laughs> Gem-sized dolls that were uh, <laughs> characters from the show. So we had so much fun. And I guess, Jonah, if you think that we really dug into it with her, our guest today really has it coming. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. So anyways, that was a really incredible night. And it wasn't the last time that we were able to mine someone for all of their Blossom info because we are huge fans of that show. Jonah, should we introduce our guest today? Yes. Let's get into it. Our guest today is an actress, author, game show host, neuroscientist. You may know from shows like Blossom Big Bang Theory, as well as her popular podcast, Mind Me Alex Breakdown. Let's welcome you guys 
guest at Mayim Bialk. Mayim, how's it going? I'm a little scared to be here, but it's going okay. <laughs> I, I don't, I do not blame you for being a little scared. Like we're talking a level of fandom that you, that you are at. Like, I don't think I've ever met anyone as excited to talk to me as the two of you. Mayim, just hearing your voice, okay, is like, Here's what I will say, okay, without gushing too much. You are so funny. Like, you have such great comedic timing. And hearing your voice is like, I'm like, oh, this is one of the funniest people. Like, I just, hearing your voice, I can just hear you going like, uh, we get it. You know, when you're on Blossom, <laughs> that wasn't one of your famous lines, but... <laughs> but really you know good impression, I mean? Vanessa. Yeah. I, I know, I was really worried. Um <laughs> I mean, thank you. Coming from you in particular, that's like, that's a huge compliment. And as we talked about when you came on my podcast, I am a, a very big fan of yours. And so I appreciate that. I really dislike my voice. And so you it's also do? funny. Oh my God, I hate it. And I frequently am mistaken for a man when I like call customer service numbers. Really? And my children think it's like the best thing ever. <laughs> I am so frequently called sir. When I like call wow. a customer service line. Yeah. So I appreciate that you like my voice, but what you hear is not what I like in my head. I'm like, Oh, that's fine. Like I have a raspy voice, but when I hear what you have to hear, I feel really bad for you. There is something about the tone of your voice and your, I guess your accent. It's so fun. Like you're, I just can like hear you like, like rattling off zingers and like, <laughs> come on, Joey. <laughs> You know? <laughs> Another great impression. <laughs> what is, is it? Like, we get it. We and get it. Come on, Joey. <laughs> I mean, just hearing you say those lines, I I'm see like, your eyes started twinkling <laughs> know, a little bit. <laughs> play cool, Vanessa. I know. I got to play it more cool. Where to even go with this? We obviously didn't have you on here just to talk about Blossom, but can we ask a couple? <laughs> totally. <laughs> Well, okay. What TV shows did you watch a lot when you were younger that, you know? Yeah. You know, I was raised on like, I Love Lucy, Carol Burnett, Tracy Ullman. And my parents are first generation Americans. So like very like Borscht Belt, like Jackie Mason was like a huge, you know, huge thing in my house. And then later on, like people like Billy Crystal, my brother listened to Steve Martin albums and, wow. and you know, obviously some of the other racier comics also, you know, made their way into our home, literally on records, you know, we'd listen on LPs. But, you know, I grew up like in like the classic sitcom, late seventies, early eighties. So like Three's Company, Too Close for Comfort, you know, all the Whit Thomas shows like Golden Girls and, yes. and things like that. I, I definitely, I loved Family Ties. I watched Growing Pains, but it wasn't exactly my jam. And, you know, I was kind of a product of that kind of Every day you'd come home from school, do your homework, and then watch TV at night. Yes. Like that was it. We weren't allowed to eat while watching TV. My parents wow. never, my parents never watched TV with us. My parents were English teachers and they were like artists and like very bohemian. So like we would watch Faulty Towers or like Time Bandits. Like my dad had a, a very kind of, you know, snooty, uh, <laughs> snooty kind of aesthetic. But my parents never watched TV with us. I watched a lot of Twilight Zone. Wow. And, you know, all of the, like I was also raised on just classic, you know, Looney Tunes cartoons, which are now so racist and sexist. <laughs> but I was really raised on that. But in terms of like female comedians, like, you know, Tracy Ullman, Lucille Ball, Carol Burnett, those were my kind of female icons. Yeah. Yeah. Mine, would you ever like sneak some M&Ms or some kind of snacks into the TV Whoa, room great or question, Yeah. 
No, we. No, I grew okay. up in a house where like rice cakes and carrots were the snacks. Yeah. Okay. So there was nothing fun to be had. You know, we would have like Pepperidge Farm cookies before bed. That was like Which as kind? naughty as it got. So I'm a mint Milano person. Wow. But then the orange Milano came out and like that changed my life. Then the dark Milanos came out. That's what I would pick. Yeah. <laughs> We're the same person is really. <laughs> I, so. I think so. Okay. So mint Milanos, then orange Milanos, then dark. Yeah. That's right. That was my evolution. <laughs> You're not going into the, um, you know how a lot of those Pepperidge Farm cookies are like Macedonia or something like that. And it's like... <laughs> no, no, but I do remember. I think it was the. Co- I, I also have a very good memory for like all the commercials from my childhood. Okay, me too. We can talk about okay, this so for twenty years. There was was there a man that said Pepperidge Farm? Like he had a I weird think New so, England yes. accent. Yeah, he was like from Maine or something. I think sometimes commercial companies think that a product seems fancier if the person selling it has a really strong accent usually british but i no but like me like i'm also a a huge huge murder she wrote fan i also watched a lot of television with my mother on saturday nights and did not have a social life so i also i should mention like shout out to the shows that i really loved like the ones that really spoke to me was like what's happening what's happening now 227 jefferson's like i watched red fox like i loved that kind of comedy, but also Murder, She Wrote and Columbo. You're talking about Saturday nights. What about Sisters? Did you watch Sisters? I did. I watched Sisters with my mom. And also like I started acting when I was almost entering middle school. And so like I watched also Soaps with my mom. But yeah, we watched Sisters. And then, you know, I got to work with Susie Kurtz. Yes. And I lost my mind because I was like, she's from Sisters. Like that's where I know her from. So yeah. Incredible. And you know, one of my favorite things about getting on SNL was like, it gave me this ability. And I guess you guys at the time didn't have social media, which as I've told you on your podcast, I immediately like went after Jenna Von Oy on social media. <laughs> and she was very nice. And that's kind of how we became friends. But it sort of allows you because you're on TV in this weird way to sort of interact with other people on TV. And it's this incredible thing, especially if you love TV, to be able to do that. Like in a lot of ways, people might say that I'm doing that right now. But (laughs) were there people when you were working on Blossom that you sort of got to meet that you watched on TV all the time? You know... That that allowed you... Yeah. It was... It it was different then. I think the fact that there wasn't social media, it's not just that we couldn't communicate through social media. It's that the world had not opened up to a notion of you have access to everyone the way that social media kind of introduced us to. So like for my 16th birthday, I think I got an autograph picture from Luke Perry and Jason Priestley (laughs) because like, Oh my it God. was like someone in the network was like, my Bialik loves it. I went out like I was a teenager, obviously. And so like, that was really cool. But you didn't really like, I didn't really go to any events. Like there wasn't publicity like there is now. Right. There weren't, sure. there weren't those kind of events. And also like, I grew up in a really kind of clean environment in terms of like teens. So we weren't invited to adult parties. We weren't going to adult parties. Yeah. So like my life was kind of boring and in, in that like I my parents were both teachers. So like I did a lot of homework. You know, I that was kind of my world. You know, teenage girls didn't love that 
their like nerdy weird friend was now on television so my social life was pretty quiet so like there it wasn't like i was socializing that way you know it was very different then yeah it's interesting also that you think of it that way too because to me watching you on blossom i was like this is the coolest girl in the world now <laughs> as i've said to you before we'll get into fashion a little more in our topic which is going to be incredible, but not to build it up too much for the audience, but it's going to be like, life changing. The way that you <laughs> dress, like, I just felt like you were the coolest girl. And I know that you've said like, there were differences between Blossom's life and your personal life, obviously, but I don't know. I just feel like to have that level of wit and just to have, Okay. So let's, yeah. <laughs> I think we need to stop here. And I feel like, no, because I think that I mean, you're a little bit younger than me. So also like there may have been a little bit of like me seeming like kind of cool, like older a little girl. bit cool, older yeah. girl, right? But like, I'm kind of looking at your brother who's like, I think you remember what girls are like when you're 14 and 15. And what really reigns is either being like everyone else or having larger breasts than everyone else. Like right. that really was like the the rule of the late 80s, early 90s. It was not to have features larger than your face could accommodate. It was not to be flat chested. It was not to be a head shorter than the shortest kid in my class. And, you know, I appreciate now who I am. Yeah. But I was like this then and it didn't feel right. Meaning like I listened to like the Beatles and Bob Dylan and like I love Tom Petty and like I was a classic rock person who loved reading Dostoevsky. Like I was legit writing with like glass fountain pens dipped in ink to my best friend who lived in San Francisco. Like I was, I carried a vintage medicine case as my purse. Like I was a weird like thrift store girl. And that wasn't really like, it wasn't cool. Like it was too, there wasn't anthropology and urban outfitters then. (laughs) Right. Right. We were, we were like the weird girls who like didn't shave our legs or armpits because like the patriarchy and people thought I was insane. I carried a canvas bag to go to the supermarket. Like these were not cool things. And I'm not saying I was so ahead of the trend. I was strange, a strange child. No, I was like a weird quirky. My parents were these like wacky New Yorkers who were documentary filmmakers. Like, it was just like bohemian weirdness. And I went to school also, you know, I went to a magnet program where they bust kids from neighborhoods that weren't great to neighborhoods that were much nicer. So I was also the poor kid. Like I was not raised with money. Right. So I also was like, I wore hand-me-downs. Like we, I, my parents never owned a house. Like we had one bathroom for four people till right. I was 15 and my brother was 19. So like I was meeting all these like awesome, pretty rich girls like i was not cool i promise that's really i mean i think the culture has really caught up to a lot of those ideas right because i feel like like garden state came out and then like indie music was cool and then like you had this whole hipster like third wave coffee shop and now that stuff is so but you're right it wasn't like that then no it was weird yeah. Well, (laughs) what kind of well vanessa obviously you could do nothing and vanessa would not think it was cool but um (laughs) yeah what other kind of music really quick? Because I'm obviously yeah. a music enthusiast. I found a Facebook post. You had posted something about the Violent Femmes. Were they a big... I was a huge... Okay. Yeah, I was a huge Femmes fan. My brother is four years older than me. And so when Why Do Birds Sing came out, like that was the soundtrack of our house. And like I had 
you know, I had never heard a modern band sing like that. And I had never heard someone like Gordon Gaynor, like with that kind of voice and that kind of rage and that kind of angst. It really, really spoke to me. And I, that became a huge part, you know, I, a huge part of my kind of teenage development was understanding that there were other people who were different and who felt different and who thought different and who had different ideas about what to be and how. I was also a huge like Sundays fan, Cocteau Twins, Jane's Addiction and its early, you know, kind of iteration, meaning like, you know, it was like the weird music, yep. but music, you know, I mean, I did, I, I listened to Sex Pistols. Like I was very into kind of understanding different aspects of musical culture. But for me, music has kind of been a constant companion. I discovered Elvis Costello at 16. Actually, Michael Stoyanov, who played my brother on Blossom, the older brother, yes. he gave me my first four Elvis Costello albums when I was 16. And I would say that changed kind of the course of my musical wow. trajectory. So yeah, my, 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 my dad was very, very musical. I was raised playing piano. Music was always playing in my house. And so I was raised with a lot of like blues and jazz. And yeah, like for me, finding a musical anchor was a, a real source of comfort for me as I sort of navigated, you know, what for, for me, it was a lot of dark years, you know, it's when yeah. sort of my depression became a thing, but I did get a lot of comfort from that. And I went to mosh pits and I did the whole thing and I got injured in mosh pits, which is like, wow. you know, a hallmark, a hallmark of the nineties yep. to be injured in the mosh pit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I got dropped on my head crowd surfing a couple of times. And yeah, that's yeah. right. It's an epic rush though, like oh, that yeah. experience. So yeah. Believe it or not, it's never happened to me. But um, just to <laughs> ask, really quickly, you were talking about your brother who played Anthony. Were you sort of... She's like, but let's talk about Blossom. <laughs> okay, just really before we go to commercial. Vanessa had an opening there. So. But I had an opening. But, you know, you talk about like, it must be interesting navigating those, you know, sort of childhood, teenage years. And then you do have other people that are sort of around your age in the cast. Did you feel like you had... What was that like having those people that you work with all the time that were sort of around your age i would imagine well i don't know i'm asking i guess instead of telling <laughs> yeah, i mean you know joe joey is a year younger than me and jen is two years younger than me so that was like our social group that was our school like we would yeah. do like we would hang we could hang out on halloween together because joey's parents were also really protective like mine were so like we would like watch movies on halloween because like we weren't allowed to go trick-or-treating and you know michael was a handful of years older i think he was like seven years older than me and he was like a real like big brother on yeah. set and we had a we had a lot of fun we had a lot of like comedy bits that we would do you know michael was a real kind of big brother as a comedic influence for me yeah he's absolutely hilarious he comes out of like the chicago you know the Chicago scene. Right. So it was comforting. You know, we navigated trends together. We navigated music together. Jenna and I took dance lessons together on stage, like for years. Yeah. She and I both love to harmonize. And so like we would sing, you know, music together and we all love the same like pop culture stuff that came out in music. And so there was a lot of fun and that really was, you know, kind of, that's who we spent the most time with. Like yeah. I was there 10 hours a day, you know, yeah. we yeah. were each other's life really. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm satisfied. Well, okay, so we're going to go to a quick commercial break. <laughs> we'll be back with Mind Bialik. <laughs> Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. 
you'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. And we're back, and aren't we? Here we are. Okay. So, again, we're just so excited you're here. Okay, I know, I need to act cool, chill out. It's not like, and we, Jonah and I did your podcast recently, it's not like we've never met, and yet... You were excited then, too. Yeah, you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Not surprised, didn't act cool either time. Okay, so, you gave us a lot of really fun topics to talk about today, and the one that we picked... Partially because, as I've told you today and last time we talked, I was so enamored by Blossom's style. And I know, again, my and Blossom, different people, but I was so enamored by the style. And and you said that you had sort of something to do with it, that you sort of helped Mm -hmm. create, like shape that character style. The topic that you had pitched was charm necklaces from like the 80s. Now, are you thinking of the ones that are like the plastic ones? Well, that's me in a music one. That's more of a basic one. That's a little basic. I just want to say, like, in all definitions of the word. So, yeah, this is so. This would be pre-Blossom, right? Yeah. In, in terms of like time frame. So, Blossom started. You know, we did the pilot when when it was 1989, and then we started kind of like in 1991. So, yeah, this would be elementary school for me. So, when Blossom started, I was 14. I was born in 1975. Just to give people a reference point. Yeah. So these necklaces that I'm talking about. It was a plastic chain. And by chain, I mean, it looks like a chain made of plastic. (laughs) Hence the phrase plastic chain. And you would hang charms that each came with their own little clip. Like this. Oh, yes. Oh, honey. That's it. Also, there's a dog. (laughs) So you would hang charms. And here's the thing. It would often come with like some more simple charms, you could customize it because your personality was reflected by what was on that necklace. And I will never forget the sound that that necklace made because it had like a a plastic jingle jangle. It was like a one man band around your neck. Yes. Yes. 
We were sort of researching these a little. I remember having one when I was little and it says most of the charms had little bells attached, but I think it was just, yeah. So you were sort of noisy walking around with them. I remember, (laughs) or they had cool moving parts, like like a roller skate with moving wheels. It was like you could customize it. So yes, like roller skate, you know, there's always like a flower or a whistle, you know, and they were all tiny. But then, I mean, like I get a little emotional because that that nostalgia factor of like, I remember like you could, some Stores would have like, you know, a little bucket by the cash register and you could like pick one out and like beg your mother for like 75 cents to like add a charm to your yes. necklace. Yes. But you could sort of reflect your personality or music or whatever you like yes. you could put on your charm necklace. Yeah. Like if you like to do ballet or something, you could get like a ballet right. slipper and then it's like, okay, now everyone knows. And then there probably was also like a ballerina one because <laughs> no, cause you could do like a full theme and yes, then everyone knew it. You could wear your personality just right there on your neck because there wasn't urban outfitters or anthropology to show what your personality right. was. <laughs> right. And there is something, I do remember that there was something really that felt really cool about like walking around and making a lot of noise it's sort of like you didn't want it to be quiet that's not the point of it no i mean nothing was really quiet in the 80s in this sense (laughs) and i think the notion also that really appealed to me was it was like made of balsa wood like it was so light but it looked like it should be so heavy so it was like you could, the, there's a Yiddish word for that I need to use. It's so ungapachkit. It was like everything in the world was on, yes, your, neck, on your necklace. But you could still like pirouette at, <laughs> at will. Yeah. Like it was so light, but it looked like it should be a million pounds because of all the chazerai, like all the <laughs> shit that was hanging all over you. You know, it's like, uh, for, first of all, did you have a favorite charm? Do you remember? I don't remember if I had a favorite one, but to this day, I like things with bells. Yes. Yes. I do too. I like things with bells. Now, the other thing that I used to do when I was really little was you would get those plastic barrettes and it would be like two, 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 and they would be different colors and there'd be like Mm -hmm. 20 in a set. Yes. I would put all of those in my hair, all 20. A hundred percent. My mom would do like Princess Leia braids and then clips along the whole way. Clips everywhere. And and it's just like the idea in the 80s of like more is more. Like it just sort of... (laughs) You want to have every clip on, every necklace on. It just oh, three sets of socks. Yeah, like we had to stack them. You had to have three sets of socks, four scrunchies, yes, all stacked another, up. Like yes. literally, more more was more. And you know, I'm going to be honest, Vanessa. This is a place where I think you and I probably are similar. Like, I wanted all of it. Like, oh. I wanted all the colors, all the donut socks. I wanted all of it stacked up. It was like a sign of weird excess. Yes, I remember at Kids R Us getting socks that it looked like a lot of socks. Yeah. The top but socks it were faux socks. <laughs> Wait, I will tell you. So you stand on the shoulders of women like me who would wear three pairs to get that look and have to ask Hot our parents feet. to buy us a size bigger of shoe to accommodate the oh socks, my to which God. the response was, that's crazy. So you stand on the shoulders I stand on your shoulders of sock giants. Because by the time giants. I was wanting to wear have that multiple sock look, I could buy basically what were essentially scrunchies for your ankles that looked <laughs> yes. like scr- socks and wear like three but of those only one and then put a real sock under and they came in sets. Now, what, yes. where do you fall on um, button covers? I had many button covers. 
I, I was, but like, that so was a was, little later. It was a little bit, that was more blossom era. I was like silver collar tips on your collared shirt, bolo ties oh. and button covers all together. You wore it all at the same time. Wait, what are, explain to me the silver collar tips. How do those work? I know so, what you're talking okay. about. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, it's so, so rich. And I actually, my father of blessed memory in his like, little tiny box of special things that were his favorite things. His collar tips are in oh there. They were silver. He loved them. So what it was, was, you know, like if you wear a collared shirt and there's like a triangle at the end of each of the collars, right? Yeah. So the collar tip was a piece of usually like metal, like his were not like real silver, but they were silver and it had a screw on the underside. So you would oh tighten it God. over the corner of the collar. And it was like, instead of wearing a tie, if you were that kind of funky person, you could just get away with collar tips. But like I said, I would do collar tips, bolo and button covers. Oh my God. And were you, I remember my favorite pair of button covers, Jonah, just so you know, button covers were like, if you wore a button down shirt, you could decorate where the buttons were by putting like this almost little... It was a cap. cap. It was like a cap for the button that would slide and okay. click. You could just do the top and that was just like, yeah. ooh, I'm wearing a tie. Yeah, like a fun, like, ooh, look, I've got a fun button by what my collar. What was your favorite one? I had one that had rhinestones on it and I believe it ooh. was a gold backing with like different or different rhinestone and I thought, wow, talk about pizzazz. I'm going yeah. out here. I could be wearing a plain white shirt, but instead I've got a shirt with yeah. rhinestones all over it. I mean, You're how special. cool is that? What, do, do you Very have a special. favorite? Yeah. I think I had one that was like fabric. It was like a fabric cover. And I really liked that. It was like a plaid. Yeah. And so that was like, oh, I'm wearing a plaid button cover. Jonah's like, this sounds insane. <laughs> and you could do all of them, but sometimes you would just do the top one. Now, okay. where do you fall on like a funky tight? Like, you know how there was like a little bit of a... Oh, thick- what, what tight is not funky <laughs> that's that right. I would that's be right. That's right. So, okay. You want to know what I did in junior high? Double tights. And now they make them, I will tell you. Wait. So I used to wear two pairs. I would do a pair of usually either like a dark purple or like a mustard or red and then fishnets over. Yeah. But you would double them up. So again, like a little thickness. Now they make them, true story, with it looks like double, but only one sense of thickness around your midsection. But I did double tights, anything with polka dots, like anything weird. I would wear them. I mean, you you want to know my favorite outfit? Yes. I would wear them under denim shorts with a Doc Martens t-shirt that had a naked butt with a Doc Martin kicking the butt. And it said Doc Martens kick ass. And every time I wore it, I thought that my high school like counselor was going to be like, you need to take that shirt off and go to the counselor's office. So yeah, I would wear double tights with Doc Martens and jean shorts. I think Jonah knows what I'm talking about because this was a look. Yeah, yeah. This is a look for sure. (laughs) This is like early 90s. Yeah, yeah. I used to hang out in Cleveland, this place, Coventry, and it was like just all the That sounds like the place that we would do that. Yes? Yeah, yeah. Everyone just sit around outside the coffee shop, not buy anything and dress like that. Also, like I loved anything with a pom-pom. Yes. Like a sock with a pom-pom. Like any... They would sometimes make tights that had a pom-pom at the bottom so it looked like you were wearing a sock yes. over the tight because we thought that was a good idea. You would wear tights with then socks. Well, I want to say that anyone who's buying those tights that look like fishnets over a color of tights is standing on your shoulders too <laughs> today. <laughs> so I hope people understand that. The other thing that was really making me laugh when you were explaining that is I would have been the exact same way. We're like, I would have worn a t-shirt to school that had like something even mildly like offensive on it. And instead of being able to like just wear it and enjoy myself, I would have just the entire day been like, am I going to get kicked out of school? <laughs> like just <laughs> such a goody t-shirt. I'd just be like, uh, can I do this? Like, uh, like I truly, <laughs> truly... <laughs> 
wouldn't be able to handle it. Okay, so you're wearing, wow, you're wearing the tights with the, yeah, mostly mostly under shorts. Yeah, but we didn't wear short shorts. That wasn't a yeah, thing. Right. That was a part of the leg that was still verboten. Yes. And you know, I don't want to make a judgment. Like for me, like like shorts just above the knee was as short as I was kind yeah. of allowed to go. My parents were very socially conservative and the rule was kind of like once you were over eight years old, you don't wear rompers. You know, like now grown women wear rompers and I will point to my, to grown women in the street and I'll be like, she'll, like I tell my boys, I'm like, I wore that when I was eight and now yes. grown women are, and it's like, it's fine, like own it. Rompers are great, but like in the eighties, you stopped wearing them when you wanted to be a woman right, and right, now right. women wear them to like, look like a cool kid. I almost can't breathe. I'm so excited about all of these. <laughs> <laughs> I had a plaid romper. That was my favorite, a plaid romper. And I wore it. It was like a green plaid with purple. And so I wore purple knee socks within those jelly shoes. That was like but a, that was when you were a kid. Yeah, that was like, I mean, that was... That's sweet. what I'm saying, yeah. that you, yeah, you could get away with the romper. I mean, I... You, look. Oh, yeah. Oh, I rocked it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you shopping for your clothes? Were you just going to like Kids R Us and stuff? Or were no, you going to like I, cool boutiques no, in when I was, California? Oh, no. when I was like a teenager, yeah, I started, I mean, I did, I wore, I wore a lot of hand-me-downs and like Esprit was really popular, oh, but my very God. expensive. Give me a break so if you can afford it. So expensive, but, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so like Esprit was a thing but my mom was very crafty and like when I was little she would make clothes for me but when I got into sort of like late junior high early high school we would go to like you know what then people thought were disgusting places to inhabit thrift stores yeah and aardvarks on Melrose was one of the first places I went aardvarks was also in Venice Beach so like sometimes my friend Akemi and I would take the bus like we would take the bus to Venice Beach to go to like vintage stores there was jet rag there was flip which was like one of like these like really early kind of rockabilly stores on Melrose I grew up in the Melrose Fairfax district in like the heyday of the punk era so it was a really interesting time I wore a lot of military stuff I loved military clothes for me it was like a real protest against like the military establishment that my feeling was like turn it into fashion because it shouldn't be used to you know kill innocent people like that was literally the kind of teenager I was. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were so many like vintage places, but yeah, most people were not shopping at those places. So you could literally yes. with like 20 bucks in your pocket, you could get five items. You know, like I had Kurt Cobain's sweater before it was Kurt Cobain's sweater. And all my friends and I were like, he dresses like us. Like <laughs> yeah. it was a, it was like, like it was a thing. Like we, I'm not saying I invented grunge, believe me, but I'm saying I that was in the, it was in the zeitgeist before, you know, before it became the Nirvana thing. You know, we were wearing flannels and jeans. Like I was wearing low top black Converse was like part of my uniform for all of yep. junior high, black t-shirts, Levi's and, you know, low top black Converse. How do you feel now? Cause I was kind of the same. I would go with my friend Dan, we'd go to thrift stores in Cleveland. We would buy all these like kind of ironic shirts or like mm-hmm. old shirts. Right. And now I feel like I go to like Hudson, New York. And it's like, <laughs> there's like a Motley Crue shirt at this boutique for like $700. And I'm like, how did this happen? Like, w- like it's so weird, right? I mean, look, there's so many aspects of, you know, the fashion culture, the music culture, and also like a consciousness that I think needed to evolve, you know, out of sort of these smaller pockets of those of us who were, you know, believing that the proletariat had a right to, you know, <laughs> fair wages. Right. So there's a lot that I find really beautiful about it in terms of a political consciousness. But, you know, a really good friend of mine, we went to grad school together and she's a neuroscience professor now. And 
you know, I remember the first time that Urban Outfitters came out and she was like, that used to be the way that we defined ourselves was we dressed weird. And now there's entire stores. And so it's like, I think that's also where an aspect of for, for those of us who are pierced and tattooed, like it was like the next level of like trying to identify as otherness, you know, and there's nothing yep. wrong with being mainstream, but for those of us who do have a really different kind of consciousness and, you know, as you get older, it gets reflected in like, what kind of people do you date? And like, what kind of sex do you have? Right. It gets more and more complicated. And I think like the stakes keep getting higher and higher because like now, like everyone is tattooed. Like it used to be this distinguishing thing. Yeah. And now it's like every mom that you see has like, the, what do they call them? The little stamps. It's like, I've got a million tattoos. I'm like, it's like a charm necklace on your body. Yes. Yes. That's so true. It used to be, yeah, when the stakes got raised to permanent markings on your yeah. body and now everybody has them. Yeah. Yeah. Because our, our cousin Ricky Rackman hosted the Headbangers Ball and he was like the first heavily tattooed person on TV. Mm-hmm. Like that's his claim. And now he's like, yeah, now everyone. It's but like... He's also our cousin and we love to brag about it. That's pretty awesome. I, I like to drop that, that we into just the way Vanessa likes to steer things to blossom. Which I will I'm do super in into that. This feels like another podcast we need to start about that. <laughs> Don't worry. We talk about it every day. <laughs> My last question is, like, did you ever have like a punk phase or anything where you were going to, sh- to those types of shows or anything? Yeah. So because I was on TV, the level of alterations that I could do were very limited. This so back good. then, like, I mean, I've got a ton of piercings and like my dad, like I may as well have like, I don't know, like moved to you know, Mongolia, like it was so foreign to him, nothing wrong with Mongolia. Thanks. I'm sure it's a lovely place. Far away. It was, it was very foreign to him. And like, if God wanted you to have holes in your ears, blah, blah. So we used to also sneak down, used to be able to illegally without your parents' permission, get piercings done at Venice beach. So some of mine are from there. And I had, you know, 14, 14 piercings in my ears. And I might as well have been like a murderer as far as like popular (laughs) culture. Like I had to remove earrings. Even when I went to the, when I was nominated for my first Emmy, my stylist at the time was like, I think we need to, <gasps> we need to take that. Like it was literally like, even recently. Right. Yeah. So, so piercings was like a very kind of secret way that I could, you know, we would either cover it with hair or like on blossom, like Sherry Thompson, our designer was like, you're cool. Like that's you. So I did have like the first thing I did after blossom ended was I got an eyebrow pierce and I dyed my hair. So I always wanted to dye my hair. Like, and that was a really big defining feature of the community that I wanted to associate with was like black hair or like a shock of like green or something. So that was like the thing that I did when I went to college. Like I started streaking my hair, like different colors. That was a component, you know, that I couldn't do, but otherwise, yeah, like I definitely, I wore black lipstick and people again, like thought that I was insane and maybe I was but there was a couple clubs that that you could go to and there was one here in LA and it was a goth club and it was on Highland and Willoughby and you know it, you were allowed in at 16 and it was the spookiest most awesome place because most people danced by themselves wow. and i it wasn't just, it wasn't at all hollywood actors like we danced by ourselves cuz that's like we danced to like dead can dance and nine inch nails and like it was a really comfortable community for me and i don't think it's just because it was like oh i could be anonymous like that was a vibe that really resonated with me and that kind of vibe so that was like the place that i most liked to go to but because i was recognizable i didn't really have access to a lot of 
parts of, you know, that sort of teenage maturation. So, you know, for me, it was a lot of intellectual, you know, kind of philosophical stuff that drew me because that was rebellious. You know, it was, it was rebellious to think differently about deep things. So a lot of my punkness was inside, but yeah, literally (laughs) the, the first thing, you know, that I did, you know, when I was no longer on television was to get an eyebrow pierce and to, you know, to dye my hair. Now just really quickly, I just, because the, I feel like our listening audience will be mad if I don't ask this. How much do you think your personal style bled into Blossom style? Because there does seem to be some overlap in the sense that her style was pretty out there in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I feel like Blossom dressed a lot more like my mom would have liked to got it, keep dressed. My mom was a really funky and still is a really funky dresser. Both my parents were very, very, you know, they're very New York, very like they lived in the West Village and had like gay friends when no one knew that right. you could have gay friends. Like my parents were these like cool artists. So my mom, I think, you know, resonated much more with that. For me, like, I really wanted Blossom just to wear jeans and black t-shirts, but apparently that's not a thing on television. (laughs) So you'll see that as I got into more of like 16 and 17, the show was from when I was 14 to 19. Like, I tried to start introducing more plain stuff, but they were always like, but let's put a vest over it. And I was like, no, but I just, I, but I think that's also hard because my identity was so much growing up while on television that like, I I just, it felt weird. Like, I didn't want to be seen as this like, perky, always wearing flowers kind of girl. Also, like, this is a topic for a whole other thing. Like, I had no real consciousness of, like, my body. Meaning I was not, like, I was a dancer. I was, like, never had breasts. I developed really late. And so that was also a thing of, like, oh my gosh, like, I became, you know, a young woman on that show. And then it was like, ooh, like, bare midriffs are in. And, like, do we wear that? Like, I didn't think of it as sexy. Like, it wasn't weird to me. I just didn't have that awareness. I had a very innocent concept of like my body and my presence. So, you know, I tended to dress pretty modestly, but like there were definitely episodes where like for prom where we had like this like gorgeous, sexy silver dress and I loved it and I felt really empowered in it, you know? It was just such a different time. You didn't have to weigh all the things that that young women have to weigh now. Yes, totally, totally. Well, wow. (laughs) Oh, fantastic. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with Maya Bialik. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. (laughs) 
We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. And we're back. So now, Maya, we're going to play a little game with you. It's called Change.Dork. <laughs> Change.Dork. Otherwise known as Let's Make Fun of People Who Don't Know How to Use Change.Org. So in this game, we'll bring up three different nostalgic things that people are trying to bring back with various petitions on Change.Org. And we'll each vote for our favorite once we've read all of them, okay? Is there a right or a wrong answer or no? No. Okay, good. That's my favorite kind of game. We'll read each one and then... At the end, if we had to sign one, which no one does, but if we had to sign one, we'll decide which one we would sign. Jonah, do you want to do this first one? Yes. This first one is called Blossom Reboot. Blossom is one of the most popular TV sitcoms in the 90s, starring Big Bang alumni, Mime Bialik. Okay, you know what the show's about, obviously, Mime. Uh, (laughs) But basically it says, three decades later, most TV shows are still hesitant to take on issues that truly matter in our society. With Blossom's video diary format, a refreshed version of the show could be a great avenue to discuss issues in today's society in a format that is palatable to the next generation. So basically... Yeah, this is a petition to reboot Blossom. Mayim, what do you think? <laughs> that's a great idea. I don't know if that's what Change.org is for, but <laughs> it's, it's a great it's idea. absolutely not what Change.org is for. But I think that's dope. That's something I would love to see happen. It's <laughs> yes. something I'm actively working on from the really boring perspective of having to like try and get meetings with Disney, who owns our show, and explain why we should have the rights to this and find one executive who's like, yes, this needs to happen as a single cam. Yes, yes. Well, the idea of doing it through Blossom's video diary format. Look, I think that was a really unique part of our show. Some people yeah. have claimed that we were the first vlog to be seen. <laughs> in pop culture. I mean, literally our titles, you know, to our pilot was Blossom dancing, you know, to a video. And Oh my God, that's true. I was dancing to Bobby Brown's It's My Prerogative. That was actually our pilot music before we had the Dr. John song that people think of as our song. So we, it was a version of It's My Prerogative. So anyway, yeah, Blossom talking to the camera, I think, you know, it's a, for us, it's a throwback, but also it's a really timely thing because look at what we do, you know, in our lives, we do. We talk to cameras. <laughs> yes. And, yes. And I want to add, this has 117 signatures. <laughs> and it's very respectful. This is a final sentence. Dr. Bialik's knowledge as a trained scientist and firsthand experience as a loving mother to her children could give a new flair to a classic show such as Blossom. I love that, but also that's weird that that's in the petition. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a little... Maybe this um, was written by someone you know. I don't know. Maybe it was written by Vanessa Mayer. It kind of does sound like Vanessa may have written this. Mine's going to have way more signatures. (laughs) All right. Okay, let's read this next one, which Jonah found. This is incredible. Cast Joey Lawrence as the next Batman. Joey Lawrence (laughs) is not only an extremely talented actor, but has a wider acting range than most people are aware of. But this guy is a beast. (laughs) He is laser focused and super committed. If he gets his part, I can guarantee you won't be disappointed. The other great thing about Joey Lawrence that people may not realize is that he is in better physical shape and more agile than guys 15 years younger than him. So their excuse of wanting to go with the younger actor is stupid. Joey is more than capable. He could crush the competition. Joey Lawrence will make an amazing Batman. What do you think? 
think. Now let's see. <laughs> I've actually seen Joey Lawrence post about this on his Instagram. True story. Really? I actually didn't know why he was posting about <laughs> wanting to be the next Batman. I'm not saying that he wrote this petition, but I wonder which came first. Here's what I'll say right. about this. I'm a Christian Bale Batman person. Okay. Like uh-huh. t- forever. Yeah. So to me, like, unless you can get close to that vibe for me, it's not going to work for me, but I would sign that petition in support of Joey. Yeah. Well, it has 1,215 More signatures. Than one. <laughs> yes. Yes. This woman made it out to DC Comics, Warner Brothers Entertainment, and Marvel. And that woman is Vanessa Mayer. Yeah, Vanessa, did you write this one? <laughs> yeah. People will be signing. No, a couple of comments. Someone said, Joey will be sexy in the bat suit. <laughs> and someone said, Joey would be an amazing Batman. They need to cast him. They would not regret it. Joey is Batman. It's also funny how people respond like in the comments where you're like, that's your comment? <laughs> like, <laughs> anyway. We did a podcast with Will Ferrell and there was a petition about him being Batman. And he did... Oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, he did some really good Batman impressions for us. Hmm. So maybe if we ever have Joey well, wh- in the show. When I think Will Ferrell, I think Christian Bale. So that's actually yep. working for me. <laughs> wow. Okay, great. So, Vanessa, what do you think about this one? You're also into it? It's, I mean, uh, yeah. whether or not you and wrote it, you don't have to say, but... To bring up your... Yeah, no one needs to know. And to bring up your point, like, I think once you make it into the world of someone wants you to be Batman you know, that's a certain class of people. So I'm like, I like that Joey Lawrence is in this class of people, you know, because there's nothing his love can't fix for the Batman. All right. Does everyone get that reference? I do. All right. So our last petition is called Add Vegan Hot Dog to the Costco Food Court Menu. Oh. Shopping at Costco is an experience many people look forward to. The food court and its iconic menu items have historically been a big part of that. A giant slice of pizza or a $1.50 hot dog soda combo are meals I always look forward to, but I've been vegan for eight years and meat-free for over a decade. Sorry, when I feel like hot dog or pizza, a salad is the last thing on my mind. Then they talk about (laughs) veganism's growing at an incredible pace. Ikea has a vegan meatball thing, Impossible Whopper, KFC, vegan fried chicken. So the future is vegan. It's critical for animals and critical for the environment, but veganism as a mainstream trend is relatively new. So what do you think about this petition to add a vegan hot dog option to the Costco food court menu, Maya? I mean, I'm not a Costco member. There's nothing wrong with Costco. I've just never, I've never partaken. However, I will say, I'm going to say two things. One, I love everything that was said about the environment and the notion of like a consciousness of humanity being aware of other sentient beings on this planet. So um, that really motivates me. And I, I, I am a vegan person. I love the idea of making spaces that people frequent more friendly to vegans. I'm also going to say this because people who like to be jerks about vegans are going to be like, but it's processed soy. It likely is processed soy and no one should eat a ton of processed soy, but no one should eat a ton of processed food in general. So for me, like if I were a Costco goer, that would be a really fun once in a while thing to be able to be part of society and not have to be like that person eating a salad or French fries. I think it would be amazing. And so many, like, I like baseball. So many baseball stadiums, basketball stadiums do have vegan hot dog options. And it's important. Do I think it's more important that people eat, like, whole foods, the way the earth produces them? Absolutely. Like, I'm not going to be like, absolutely eat as much processed soy as you can. But also, like, in a reasonable, balanced diet, I think that's amazing to have that option for 
all of the people who go to Costco and would want to have that hot dog. Yeah. That is a very diplomatic answer. I think that's, yeah, yeah, I think that's good. So you probably won't see my at Costco eating a vegan hot dog, but ideologically. Oh, but if someone took me to Costco and there was a vegan yeah. hot dog, that's I what you would have. Two. Yeah. I, I guess you got to be a member or something. Maybe Vanessa. That's the thing. Yeah, I'm yeah. not, yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not a member. And there's other places here that you don't have to be a member that you can also get similar deals. I'm not saying that like, I don't need deals. Like I love deals, but also right. I don't love buying a ton in bulk and I'm one of those hippies. So like I try and like minimize the universe yeah. that way. But yeah, I'm all for people also understanding that it, it is a normal thing to not constantly want to eat meat or dairy. And that, you know, like most humans actually don't have the ability to process dairy efficiently. There's a ton of, you know, environmental components, health components, ethical components that many of us are sensitive to. Uh, hot dogs is also like one of those foods that's like, wow, that's a hard food to get your head around yeah. if you know what's oh, yeah. happening with a hot dog. So yeah. Yeah. Vanessa, what about you? Oh, I agree. To Mime's point, like, you know, you don't want to be eating this processed vegan stuff all the time. But if you're going for all your meals at Costco, that's, that's, <laughs> have a vegan then I think dog. there's a bigger problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then I think, you know, you got to go to a restaurant, go to a grocery store, go to a farmer's yeah, market, yeah. get your food, those yeah. places. But I think if you're at Costco, this is a great option. And I know, 100%. Jonah, our parents are huge Costco heads. Uh, I mean, they... Uh, Mom, if you're ever in Cleveland, our parents will take you to Costco. You can, I, that's yeah. what I was going to say I will, to you. Our, our, our parents would very gladly take you. Okay. Okay. Maybe we'll all go. I don't know. We'll figure something out. Um, you've now, you've now agreed to it. Okay. Jonah, what do you think about this petition? Yeah, I think it's good. And yeah, I think it's time to vote because I, I support, I'm, I'm kind of aligned with both of you. So Mime, if you had to vote for one of these, a Blossom reboot, casting Joey Lawrence as the next Batman or adding a vegan hot dog to the Costco food court menu, which one are you going to sign? This is really hard. You're putting me in a really difficult position <laughs> because in terms of self-interest, I'm going to vote for a Blossom reboot. But if I think of like, was I put on the planet to do a Blossom reboot or to leave the planet better than I found it? I'm going to go with the vegan hot dog at Costco. Right. Wow, what a thoughtful answer that I did not think was coming and that I will not give myself. <laughs> <laughs> Jonah, do you want to know what I think? Yes. What do you think, Vanessa? I'm voting for a Blossom reboot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bring your own snack to Costco. Go ahead, Jonah. <laughs> Not you, Blossom. I, I mean, Maya. <laughs> oh, my happened. God. It happens at the last second. I think of you as different people, okay? <laughs> I want you to know. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I'm not saying for you to bring your own snack. I'm just saying to people, bring your own snack and then we can have a Blossom reboot. And, and jo I will write an episode where Joey gets to be Batman. That's okay. right. That's right. Th th that accomplishes too. Because Jonah, were you going to vote for that and now you don't have No, to. I'm going to vote for the Blossom reunion. <laughs> but if we could get the Joey Batman thing in horned into that and maybe a, a, an episode where y'all go to Costco then we got all done. done. Yeah, an episode where y'all go to Costco and they have to put in vegan hot dogs because you're vegan. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I think we all just right. all petitions in one. It's one petition. It's all in one. Okay, incredible. I'm so sorry I called you. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> we knew it was going to happen. It was going to happen. It was a matter of time. Now, speaking of you being Mayim, where can people find you? <laughs> um, people can find me. I'm on like social media places as Miss Mayim. 
And also our podcast is My and Bialik's Breakdown. So you can go to Bialik Breakdown on Instagram and kind of everything links together. So that's where I exist. And the podcast is, you know, available on YouTube and also wherever you get podcasts. Okay, incredible. Well, that was so much fun. Thank you so much to Mime for joining us. We really had such a blast. Thank you to everyone for listening. If you enjoyed that, please subscribe to the podcast and keep an eye out for next week's episode of How Did We Get Weird? Where we will discuss more stories from our childhood and cultural touchstones like charm necklaces. Thank you so much, Maya. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.